How's it going? How? How's it going, podcast fam? It's your boy Jason Craig, aka the Friendly Neighborhood Dreadhead, and I am here today with another guest for my interview series. Please welcome author Kristen Stovall. Hopefully, I said your your last name right. <laughs> Close enough. It, it's Stovall, but it, like it was just like a tiny difference. And oh, okay, was, that's all. <laughs> So how are you doing? A lot of people do that. I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? You know, I'm I'm doing pretty good. Uh, busy weekend this weekend. So much stuff has dropped that I have to review. Have to binge <laughs> Stranger Things still. Have to watch Top yeah. Gun and Top Gun Maverick and Obi-Wan. So it's just a lot. I just watched Obi-Wan today. I was like, I'm just, I'm going to do that while I'm getting in the headspace. And then I just got distracted by Ewan McGregor and lightsabers. But it, well, I liked it. I thought it was good. Hopefully I enjoy it. But today we're not here about Mr. Ewan McGregor, <laughs> Obi-Wan. We're here for Miss Kristen. So Miss Kristen, tell my audience what it is that you write about. Uh, well, I write fantasy. It's when it's solo work it's high fantasy and that's where i like to play but i also do some partnered work i have a series that we just got the last book out that's sort of um victorian scottish fantasy it's called the fate touched chronicles so a little bit more in the romance genre but there's you know there's magic and excitement and adventure so it's it still qualifies <laughs> <laughs> so what got you in to um, writing novels or writing in general? Right. Uh, well, I realized, and it's only really been in the last few years I've sat down and kind of thought about that journey, but I was always a storyteller. I was always imagining things. I really, as a child, liked to play games where, you know, we pretended to be other people. And initially I thought that that uh, was a desire to be on stage and to perform in that way and tell stories in that way, which I've, you know, I've done and I really enjoy it. Uh, I've been getting some invitations to come back and do some shows again, which is, is kind of cool. They have, my schedule has clashed, but it's, it's <laughs> nice to get the invite. And then what I realized was I wanted to decide the story. I wanted to tell the story that way. I didn't just want to act out what somebody else wrote. And, you know, I, I was playing with it, dabbling. I started out in a little bit of Lord of the Rings fan fiction just to kind of get my feet wet and practice writing and get a feel for it and, and to learn, which is just invaluable. You should never stop learning. And then I met a young man and fell in love and, and got married. And that was the plan for a little while. I was going to have this family and it was going to be wonderful. We were going to have children. And then a year and a half after our, after our wedding, he ended his life due to uh, depression and chronic pain as a result of a traumatic brain injury. So at 28, and I went from newlywed to widow. And your entire life, just everything you had planned, everything I wanted, it, it was just shattered and gone. And like it just felt like the pieces were shattered so terribly that there was no picking it up. And during that time, I listen to a lot of music. I mean, I always had something going on in the background so that it wasn't just so quiet and uncomfortable. 
And I heard a piece of music and I started to sort of imagine this scene where a young woman gets to say goodbye to the the man she loved. And from that came the two characters of Aislinn and Rory and then the world and then a story. And then the next thing I knew I had a trilogy and then after that a prequel. So that's my uh, high fantasy solo work that I do. Oh, and that's right. called the Song of Souls trilogy. The first one is Soulbound. The second is Soulfire. And then the last book is Boundless. Okay. Well, I can tell you right now, he would be very proud of the work that you have put out. Very proud. Thank you. Thank you. I hope now, so. <laughs> <laughs> now, you said that you write fantasy. Fantasy is my genre. If everybody knows, I will say to this day, that Lord of the Rings is the best trilogy out there, and people can fight me for that. So not gonna be me. I'm not gonna fight you for that. And I have a trilogy out. I should, but I'm like, nah, man, it's Tolkien. <laughs> <laughs> so in your writing process, what would you say is the most important part when you're writing a novel? Well, for me, I think it's the cup of coffee in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it, I'm a very goal-oriented person, so it helps me to have a, a word goal to hit every day. In a more sort of broad scope, it's the character development and world building that's really important to me. Once I have those characters and that world figured out, the story tends to follow. It, it sort of flows after that. Okay. so But definitely say... the coffee helps. Oh, I got you. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm not an avid coffee drinker, but I understand. I understand. You got to have something to get you going. <laughs> I got Red Bull. No, it, it is fine. <laughs> yeah, you know. So um, would you say that you have, like, is there anybody that um, inspired your style of writing or or how you structure your stories? Uh, well, Tolkien, obviously, because uh, I write high fantasy, and I think on some level inspires a lot of people in the fantasy genre. There's also an author named Juliet Marlier, and I hope I'm pronouncing her name right because I've mentioned her in a few interviews, but I think it's correct. I may not be correct. It sounds right. She, it sounds yeah, right. We're going to pretend it's right. She writes uh, fantasy as well, but hers tends to be a little more historical. It, The ones that I've read anyway have taken place on Earth. It's just been like back in medieval era and dark ages and stuff like that. But she write, she wrote this series called the Seven Waters series, and it's just incredible. I love it. It definitely uh, impacted my writing style and kind of how I approach characters. That and I just, I reread those books all the time. I love them. Okay, okay. I have not heard of the author, but then again, I have not read read many books and that i'm more of an audio book type person because i'm lazy <laughs> <laughs> that's fair i mean the first book in my trilogy is on audiobook now but it just takes time to get them done <laughs> well you know that is a plus for me because i do want to read your book but i'm lazy so i'm i'm at to, to listen i'm at to listen yeah <laughs> now speaking of your book can you tell the audience like a little bit a, like just a synopsis of the story right well the song of souls trilogy follows a young woman named aislin and we start at the death the moment of her husband's death and because of that they were soulmates 
they didn't know this, of course, at the time. I think we all hope that when we meet someone and, and get married and everything, but they didn't know that. Uh, but their souls connected upon his dying because it was so traumatic and sudden. And they it forms a bond, which makes her one of a group of magic users called Soulbound. And with this connection to the, the next realm, you know, uh, she has the ability to heal magically. So the story starts out with her leaving her little small village to go train among the Soulbound. And she can either train to harness that power or she can, you know, say, just sever the connection and we'll, you know, he'll go on to the next life and, and I'll go back and, and build a new life. And she chooses, of course, to remain bound to him because she can then see him and speak to him, but they can never touch or anything like that because he's a, he doesn't have a corporeal body. So that sets her on that path. And then she ends up it, thrown into this uh, adventure and events so much bigger than anything, you know, she expected. Oh, that sounds like, let me go ahead and, uh, Add that to the cart real quick. That sounds very interesting. <laughs> so that's, and, you know, then we have the first book, which is really more of an introduction to the world and the characters and the ideas. And um, then we kind of get into the nitty gritty with the second and third books. So it was, it was fun to do that arc. And each book kind of has its own feel and its own emphasis on different things. And it was very much a way for me to, process through those emotions and that grieving process and I, I was a widow for probably five years before i started writing it so it wasn't like an immediate thing uh but it, it gave me that forum to be able to discuss it in in a safe place and my husband was something of a local celebrity so when he died it was very you know people knew they would walk by the house and it, it wasn't a fun thing to go through the worst experience of your life in a fishbowl that was not fun so right and that's just the beauty of art because even in tragedy you can make some of the most one wonderful things and that's why i love books because books i i've always said that especially fantasy no matter whether it's space fantasy or medieval fantasy viking fantasy there's right. just so there's so much you can do with lore and that's why skyrim no i'm going yeah. off the tangent but skyrim is one of my favorite video games of all time also the dragon age games that's one i love love you know, i got really mad at skyrim because i opened a chest and couldn't get back <laughs> out and so then i shunned it <laughs> i liked it up until i opened that chest and couldn't get back out of the chest no, <laughs> i need yes. to pick it up again and try it again <laughs> I, I think you like, I mean, it's less buggy, I would say now, because, you know, it's been like five different yeah. generations of consoles. Well, and I have, I was playing it on my computer and like the computer I have now is so much better for games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I work on my computer. I should get this really good gaming laptop because I work on the computer. <laughs> <laughs> it hey, wasn't because I was getting a game. <laughs> <laughs> and that you know that's a reasonable reason you know that's yeah. a reasonable reason well and actually sometimes if i'm having writer's block or just getting frustrated it does help me to like step out of that world and go play a video game for a little while so oh. it, it actually does kind of help me get unstopped 
Okay. Okay. So now you said, now I know that your, your um, soul bound is a trilogy. Now I have a question for you in your eye, in your mind, what makes a good trilogy? Do you think a trilogy should follow the same formula? You know, the origin, the first book or the, the first installment, second, the tragedy and third, the comeback. Or do you think that you like it when they switch it up a little bit, when they switch the formula up a little bit? I mean, I do, I do love the old formula. I do love that classic formula. But I think if the characters are intriguing and, you know, their quest or whatever it is that's progressing the plot, if that's interesting, I, I don't think it necessarily has to follow the traditional arc of a trilogy. As long as it's well-written and the characters are engaging. So... A big thing for me is getting attached to characters, and it once those characters, once I care about them, then I will follow them through almost anything. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So now you know my favorite trilogy. What yes. is your favorite you book? Taste. What is your favorite book trilogy or movie trilogy or TV or well, not tri- TV can't have trilogies, but you know what I mean. Uh, Lord of the Rings. Definitely still, that's my favorite too. I love it. Absolutely love it. I love the, a lot of people complain about Tolkien going into too much detail, but I I just love the immersion of it. I love that that Middle Earth has a sense of real existence because it's just like the history is there, the languages are there, the culture's there. It's just, yeah, it just has this sort of tangible quality to it because of that and i love the classic good versus evil that's what i enjoy because in real life it isn't that simple it's not always easy to to see good and evil it's not always easy to see the villains and in fantasy and good versus evil you know who the bad guy is and i like that i i like there's enough horrible stuff in the world like particularly this week terrible things have happened that I just need that escapism and that hope that comes with the classic good versus evil story. Okay. So now my next question, favorite fantasy character go. Oh gosh. My favorite fantasy character. Okay. It would be Matt Mardigan from Willow. Love him. Val Kilmer as Mad Mardigan in Willow was my very first crush. I can remember sitting in that movie theater as a little bitty kid and being like, oh my God, this is incredible. So yeah, I love I love Mad Mardigan from Willow. Okay, okay. Now let's see. I have a few. Well, these are really like fun questions, I should say. Now that was fun too. <laughs> <laughs> but um what was a young Kristen doing mostly imagining she was somewhere else off on an adventure but she did a lot of that I grew up in the country so there was a lot of running around through the countryside pretending I was off on some epic quest or that I'd I'd found a way to Narnia or Middle Earth or Wonderland or Oz even because I'm a Kansas girl so Oz is a big deal (laughs) so I was just always imagining so did you go on any adventures yourself, like, you know, in the backyard, in the woods or anything? Oh, yeah. All the time. You know, if it would snow, really, like just a ton of snow, we would build tunnels in the snow and we would be on Hoth and have to defeat the Empire, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Or if we were wandering in the woods, we were Robin Hood and just all kinds of adventures. My my whole 
childhood was little made up adventures. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now as far as now we're going to talk about something that, you know, is a slippery slope, but when it comes to book adaptations, mm-hmm. what makes a great book adaptation? I think it's respecting the source material and respecting the spirit of it. Um, not thinking that you know better than the other than the original author, but also knowing what is going to translate from a book to the screen. You know, because not everything in a book is going to work on a screen. Not all of the formulas and and builds are going to work exactly the same. You have to adapt it. You know, with a book, you have points of view that you have to try and stay in for, you know, just so you're not giving the reader whiplash. But with film and TV, you can do that thing where you jump back and forth, where you have montages, where you can show the villain's perspective a little bit more, even if the book doesn't show it. So, I I mean, I think the biggest thing is just respecting the spirit of the the source material. And honestly, having a good editor who knows what to leave in and what to take out. Because I know a lot of, well, at least I've heard, a lot of good movies get ruined on the editing, in in the editing room. Oh, boy. Trust me. I'm a movie movie reviewer, so that's, that's something that I see constantly. Right, right. And then you go and you see the director's cut and you're like, why did they cut that out? Yeah, it was longer, but now the movie's good. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you, Zack Snyder's Justice. I'm looking at you, Josh Whedon. I'm, I'm looking at you, Josh Whedon, Justice League. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, yeah. now, you know how certain mechanics in books, like there's certain specific mechanics that can only happen in books that's hard to adapt to screen. What would you say is the most difficult thing, the most difficult book mechanic to put on screen? Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, I mean, with a book, you can really get inside a character's head and, and you know, see their thought process and all of that. And on a screen, it's it's it comes down to the writing and, it, and the actor's ability to portray those thoughts and the editing. So I think it's probably the character's thoughts. Because yeah. you can I, do it in a book, you can't really do it the same way on screen. I was about to agree because one thing I love Stephen King's books; like he's a great author. But mm-hmm. uh, but if you read his books, it's more about the character what's and going on inside the character's mind about the character itself. Like even in Cujo, you're 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 actually inside of Cujo's mind the, most of the book. But in the movie, you just oh he's just a rabid dog, but you don't know how Cujo's feeling what right he's thinking. right and don't, i think I, I scare too easily to watch much or, or anything like that I've, my imagination has no discipline <laughs> i i feel that but um, yeah I, I do agree with you on that because a lot of books that's how you get attached or grown to so much so many characters because you're actually in their mind you know what they're thinking if they're scared right. if they're happy if they're sad yeah. you and, feel their feelings Yes, and sadly for Stephen King, since all of his books are character are character driven books, you don't get the the best. Uh, right. uh, I'm looking at you, Firestarter. I'm, I'm looking. At you. <laughs> <laughs> no opinions there at all. <laughs> <laughs> now, what is your favorite book adaptation? Mm. 
or far the most or the most respectful adaptation? I love, well, I, I love Lord of the Rings, but I'm going to mix it up just so that I'm not always answering Lord of the Rings. Uh, the Princess Bride. Oh, okay. it is a phenomenal adaptation. They really catch the mood and spirit of the book. And then when you read the book, you're just like, oh, extra stuff, bonuses, but you don't feel like you you missed a whole lot granted i saw the movie before i knew there was a book but there was a book before a movie and it, it's okay. just um the book is so good and then the movie just really captured that that feeling and they, the spirit of the book and the characters and everything okay, but i also yeah. think they made buttercup a little smarter than she was in the book which is <laughs> nice. so well for me it will always be harry potter i love me some harry potter <laughs> Not not Fantastic Beast. That that can go somewhere else. <laughs> so now, would you say that you know we're in the digital age now? So you there's social media and like other marketplaces to access. Would you say that um it is it is a whole lot more lucrative now for like and and media like like for books? to push a book and get your name out there more than was, you know, back before technology was as advanced as it is now, as much as we are on the internet? Well, I mean, I don't have the experience of having marketed a book prior to the internet being what it is now, but I will say that it does make a difference. There have been times where I kind of, you know, due to personal reasons, health reasons or whatever, I was not on social media and promoting the way I should have been. And when I came back into it, I had to like just build basically from the bottom again. So it, I do think it's a, a valuable tool, especially uh, when you're a newer writer and you don't have like the fame and fortune of Stephen King, you know, you can't just say, Oh, that's Stephen King's book and people just buy it. Like when it's, when you're building your presence, it's, just invaluable okay okay so now um you say that you're uh you're like you are high fantasy like that like fantasy is your favorite right yeah. now what is your least favorite and why um horror or anything really gritty or depressing mostly because it just i want to read something that leaves me feeling hopeful and also like i said my imagination has no discipline so like if i feed it horror or anything like that um it's gonna run with it and it doesn't matter that i'm a grown woman there that shadow is definitely a killer and it's definitely gonna come get me <laughs> you know like <laughs> My job is to let my imagination run wild, and now I can't stop it. <laughs> so I guess we're never going to see a horror novel by Kristen Stovall. So that being said, I do like to put things in my books that truly horrify me. So that's, uh, in the last book that I wrote, the one that just came out, there's a point at which we have mice just swarm in and take out all of these people and they're like trying to climb on trees and get away and the mice are just like locust going after them and just that oh, that, that imagery cool. was so creepy to me 
that makes my skin crawl. Yeah. See, that's why I was like, well, that's why I put it in. My co-author was like, this creeps me out every time I read it. And I was like, me too. That's why I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, were, um, growing up or now, were you more of like, did you just do like read novels or did you also read graphic novels? I've pretty much just read novels. We didn't have a lot of access to graphic novels. I mean, I lived out in the country, so, you know, oh, we yeah. would go to the bookstore. And I, I also sort of skipped kids' books. So I, I, my reading levels always tested very high by like second grade. I was reading Shakespeare. Oh. <laughs> so like I just I I don't I just sort of skipped past a lot of stuff and just went directly to chapter books because I needed that I, I needed all the details. I needed the character building and the plot and everything. I needed all of that there so I could really sink my teeth into it and just absolutely immerse myself in the world. Oh when you said Shakespeare, oh man, I, I remember reading this old old timey Shakespeare. I like Ooh, this is hard to read. <laughs> this is so hard to read. It it made sense to me for some reason, and I think it's just I'm a, a contextual person, and so I was mm -hmm. always looking at the context of the scene, and then because of that, the the language didn't throw me as much. I don't know. That's the best guess I can give. That I was just <laughs> looking at the context of the scene. So, well, and I grew up. Uh, my parents are big Trekkies, so like our whole, all of us grew up watching Star Trek, and I, I can tell you the exact moment, like Picard was quoting Shakespeare in an episode of Star Trek, and my brain just went, oh, this is important. What is this? What is this thing? And I remember looking at my dad, and I was like, what is he saying? What is he doing? And dad's like, well, he's quoting Shakespeare. And from that moment on, I was like, I must know Shakespeare. <laughs> it's just something about the uh, about the way it sounded just really drew me to it. So you say your parents are Trekkies. Now, this is yeah. a fun question. Does any of your parents know Klingon? <laughs> no. no, none of us know Klingon. Although I do have a friend that we, we tend to greet each other by going, Kapla! You know? <laughs> yeah, and then we smack our chests really hard because that seems like a thing you should do if you're greeting one in Klingon. But we don't. That just, we, that's the only word we ever use. Just kapla, bam. <laughs> you know. That is so crazy that there's people in this world <laughs> that know the whole language of Klingon. I'm like, wow. Yeah, I mean, I'm struggling to learn Spanish, so <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I don't think I can do Klingon. Like, <laughs> I know like a, like maybe ten words total. <laughs> I I know a fair few Spanish words now, but I can't like use them practically. I, I'm not at the point where I can just pull them up and and know like i can tell people that i you know i can say that's an apple or those are, banana is banana so that one's easy <laughs> <laughs> you know? so i mean it, it's i i still haven't gotten to that point where i can pull it up and and use it in any kind of practical way but i i keep oh. plugging away at it by god i'm gonna learn <laughs> <laughs> so like um Tell me about like you know your family dynamic like with your family dynamic do they were they supportive of your of you pursuing a career in noveling Yeah yeah I'm the oldest of five kids and um they they're all very supportive I mean I don't have children and a couple of my siblings do and so 
with their little kids, they don't have really time to read. Uh, but they're all supportive. They're all really wonderful. There are times I'm like, no, share it on your Facebook. Share it on your social media so the people buy it. <laughs> I have to remind them. But I have a niece who, you know, she likes reading my books. So, I, in fact, I was she was over today. And I was talking to her about that. And she goes, yeah. She was saying she bought, like, a whole series. And I was like, well, it wasn't mine. <laughs> and <then> she, goes, <laughs> she goes, yeah, but you give me free books. And I was like. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> I do. I do give you books. <laughs> so, she knows. She knows if she holds out long enough, I'll just shove them in her hand. <laughs> hey, I mean, sometimes like you know what? Just here, just, just here, take it. Yeah, just, just, just take it. Just make your friends read it. <laughs> <laughs> so now, do you, could you ever see one of your books being adapted? Yes, I could very happily see that. <laughs> now, now the it. question is, now the question is, would you let them like would you let them do do it and have faith or would you want to be on that project as well? I would want to be on the project, but I I wouldn't want to hover. I, a big part of it is I would just want to be on the set and see the the actors oh, come no. out and see my characters. And I, I would want to be there and just make sure that, you know, like the the spirit of it is being respected, but I would also respect the fact that that's their job. That's their line of work. They know, you know, they, they know how it works. So it, I think it would be challenging on the one hand to like hand my baby over to someone and, and completely trust them with it. But, you know, as long as they treated it with respect and didn't alter things in stupid ways, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think I'd be pretty, pretty comfortable with it. I would definitely want a say in the casting. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, I know who the characters are in my head. I know how they should be approached. So I want to, that's probably the thing I would want the most say in. And then, <clears throat> you know, maybe I would want to at least see what they're thinking about for the the look and feel of it. But. I would also be interested in sort of seeing what they came up with after reading the books. So I, I think it would be interesting to see what their artistic minds create or were inspired, you know, what was inspired from my work. Okay. I think that'd be well, a lot know, of fun. Well, you know, besides podcasting, I am also a future teller and I see in the future that your book is going to be adapted. I'm, I'm, just, I'm letting you know that I'm giving you that one for free. I'm giving that one for you. I like that. I like that prediction. <laughs> so now we're talking about casting for your book. Now, let's just go with the hypothetical. Either, you know, one of these stream services, Netflix, HBO Max, Amazon, they right. pick up your property, right? Right. And and <laughs> you get to choose the you get to choose the director and the cast. Who would you choose and why? Go. <laughs> the sad thing is I've thought about this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> if it were the trilogy, which is high fantasy, I'd be like, I want Peter Jackson. Okay. Because, I mean, it's Peter Jackson. And um, Ben Barnes as Rory, the, the lead character's soulmate, because I really think Ben Barnes should be in everything. Ben Barnes, <laughs> if you're watching, you've heard this before from me. <laughs> I say this in interviews often because this comes up. Um, I would want Richard Madden in the role of Kieran. 
I would want, there's this actor and he's not really, really mainstream, but he's a really cool guy. He's on The Outpost. His name is Jake, I think it's pronounced Stermowen. I'm not 100% sure. I would love him to play the wizard. Uh, because my wizard is young and cool, and I think he would nail that role. Uh, for the the lead character for Aislinn, it changes periodically, but I think uh, I think her name is Jessica Blake Finley. Uh, she played Lady Sybil in Downton Abbey, and then she was in Winter's Tale, and she had red hair, which the main character in my book has red hair. And when I saw her in that, I was like, oh, she she could be good in that role. Okay. And if it were the prequel, it would be uh, Toby Regbo in the lead male role. And what's really cool is I actually, he knows that I uh, wrote the book with that him as the character. I always mentally cast. So, you know, I always know these things as it helps me uh, with the process. But Toby Regbo actually knows that I mentally cast him in this role because I got a cameo from him because I was like, ooh, he's on cameo briefly. I'm going to do it. And I get to meet him in August. So Ooh, I'm, that's nice. yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm going to hand him a book. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm be like, here it is, man. Uh, for the the new series, um, we, yeah, we, we kind of have some characters sort of cast. Um, Luke Pasqualino, who is in... Um, Shadow and Bone. He was a sort of smaller role in Shadow of Bone, but then BBC had a Three Musketeers series called The Musketeers, and he played D'Artagnan. And I would want him to play the character of Ross in the Fae Touch Chronicles. Uh, Richard Madden also gets cast in that one as the character of Asher. Uh, and then it's actually this Spanish actor for one of the other male leads, and I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce his first name. I don't know if it's pronounced john or yon it's y-o-n and i'm just not sure what the, the the spanish pronunciation is um but his last name is gonzalez and he was in a show called um grand hotel and i i saw him and i was like oh yeah incidentally i also want to learn spanish so i can watch that <laughs> without having to look at the subtitles i'm not gonna lie it's that it's it's that shallow a reason <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I finished I actually finished the series forever ago and and I'm going to start watching it again for the immersion to hear mm -hmm. the language being spoken. Uh but and it, it's kind of gone into I also want to be able to speak Spanish at this point. <clears throat> it's okay. It's going to be a long time. <laughs> and you then won't we get don't it. We don't have the, the ladies cast as much. Like, we'll, we'll have sort of face models, but they're not uh, actors or actresses that are really well known. But I would totally let the showrunners for Bridgerton do the Fae Touch Chronicles. I think they do an amazing job. They um, Like, Shonda Rhimes, I think, is the producer. And I, I just think, like, the whole team from Bridgerton could knock the Fae Touch Chronicles out of the ballpark. I think they would just do such a great job. Okay, okay. So now this is um either dead or alive. Which author would you want to have a conversation with and what is the one question you would want to ask them? Oh, that's hard. I only get one question. <laughs> yes, you only get you only get one question, so you got to make it count. Um I would pick Juliet Marlier and 
I don't know what the question would be specifically, but it would probably relate to uh, the first leading lady in in the Seven Waters trilogy who was named Sorsha and the book was Daughter of the Forest. So I'd probably ask her uh, something about that. There are questions that have come up, but it's been a little while since I've read the book, so I can't remember what they were because I thought of them while I was reading it. But it'd be something about that, something about... Probably I would ask her a question about that character's life between the end of the first book and the beginning of the second, because she goes per generation. So the next book followed her child, followed the first character's children. So I would probably okay. just ask some of those, fill in some of those little gas gaps. Uh, okay. Now we got just a few more questions and this next one, <laughs> it stumps a lot of people. So you got to put some thought into it. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. As far as authors go, who would be your Mount Rushmore of authors? My Mount Rushmore. Like, who would I want carved into a mountain? <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, like, would... like, you know, Mount Rushmore is key notable figures in this right. country's history. So who would you say would be notable figures in your eyes and like, you know, the history of, you know, not on um, books or novels right uh tolkien absolutely i think would, okay that's would be fitting um even though i don't really read stephen king i think that his his career and his body of work would make it worthwhile would gives him a a spot up there um you got two more hmm. two people you got two more yeah. people gonna get left out <laughs> right um i'm gonna say um the the author of the wizard of oz uh l frank Baum, or is it frank l Baum? but um so i'm just gonna put that one out there because that was a name i could think of <laughs> um <laughs> and i don't know laura ingalls wilder because okay. she, she wrote her life and you know that's those books are something that a lot of people you know grew up with Okay. And it, it gives us a little glimpse into that era and time. Okay. So okay. let's just put her up there. <laughs> I agree. You know, me and you kind of had the same on our Mount Rushmore for like two people. For me personally, I would have put, I don't know their name because it's been so long since I've read the book, but I would have put right. the the um, the creator of Dune because just how much Frank Dune, Herbert. Oh, yeah. yeah. How much yeah. he inspired. Like when I first, funny, funny fact. So I saw Star Wars before I saw Dune. Right. So I'm like, oh, Dune is so cool. You know, I watched a little bit of Game of Thrones, still trying to get up into it. And then, like, you know, I watched the original Dune. I read the book. Then I saw the movie. I saw the newest movie. Then I looked at it. I'm like, wow, George Lucas stole a lot from Dune. <laughs> <laughs> he was certainly inspired by you know, I would think it's really hard for any author not to be a little derivative at some point. No. Just because, you know, what you liked is going to influence you as a creator. It just is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we could call it influence, but I was looking at Luke and the main <laughs> character of Dune and, and Spice and, and the voice. I'm like, George Lucas, you were not slick. You were not <laughs> slick. <laughs> but it all worked out because, you know, now George Lucas is probably at home sitting with a boatload of money saying jar jar's the key see he's he's, he's the key <laughs> i don't know why he Good said that to this day i don't know why i i don't hold oh, let's not talk about the prequels it'll be we'll be here for another hour i actually 
actually was not a hater of the prequels. I, I saw them for what they were, and I, I looked at them as, as like the whole. And I also really like Natalie Portman as an actress and Liam, Liam Neeson as an actor. There yeah. were some elements that were not great. <laughs> some things that could have been improved, but there were other things that were that were good that I think like I, I think Ewan McGregor did a phenomenal job as a oh, young Obi-Wan. Yeah. He, he, I mean, he, he was, was so highlight. good. He was so good. And Liam Neeson I thought was really good too. So. And fun fact about about uh Star, the Phantom Minister. Sorry, y'all. We're going. I'm going on a tangent here. It's fine. But, I like Star Wars. <laughs> but fun fact, <laughs> um, Liam Neeson did not know what he was going to be doing before he got <laughs> casted. So we get it. <laughs> so they gave him because, like, I'm pretty sure that they knew that he would have said no if he would have learned what he was doing. So he did. He went in cold, not knowing what he was going to be doing. You know, surprise is good. <laughs> now, I will say this: as a kid, I really didn't like it that much because you know, I, I I was a kid, so I didn't really care about like you know trade federations and stuff like that. So that I like right. this is kind of boring. But yeah. I will say this: after watching the Clone Wars TV show. I appreciate well not that first one. I, I hate that first one. But I appreciate the second one more morally the third one. To me, the first one is the worst. The second one is meh. I, I got to see Yoda fight, so I guess that was fine. The third one I would say was my favorite. It's it's not great, but it's still my favorite just for some fact of you get to see Anakin on his down on his downfall to yeah. the dark side. Yeah. I think the second one is my favorite. I like the planets that they introduced in it. Oh, yeah. Um, the third one I liked just for, you know, seeing that, seeing Darth Vader become Darth Vader. I didn't, and this was an editing floor thing, like Padme had this whole subplot where you're actually seeing the foundations of the Rebel Alliance and they cut all of it out. It's that all gone. I have the book and I read it and I was like, this was so good for the character. And then and then she just becomes this sort of she was really strong. She was like this leader in the other two. And then in the third one, she's just like brushing her hair and being pregnant and then dying. And yeah, that's what George, she does. Yeah, George Lucas wasn't the best at writing relationships and and, and really women now that I think about it, because even though I love Princess Leia, uh, the movies I didn't. I loved it because of the books. The books made me love Leia. The movies I was like, eh, I mean, she's okay. I, I like um, um, Carrie Fisher. Yeah, I, I I really liked Padme. I think that's why I liked the the prequel trilogies. I really liked Natalie Portman's character, and I liked the way she played the character. And then in the third book, like all of the build for that character just went out the window. And I'm like, but I read the book and she had all this <laughs> stuff she was doing. This was like, you see what, oh, right. Well, it's done now. <laughs> well, we got a little bit off topic, but we got two more. I got two more questions for okay. you. Now, we, now, this, this hypothetically, you have a time machine and okay. you're able to go back in time and Talk to your younger self. What would you, what advice would you give to a younger Kristen? It would depend on what 
point in time, if we're talking like a kid. Um, yes, kid, kid Crispin. Okay. Just keep feeding that imagination. Just keep trying. Don't get upset that, you know, you get picked on sometimes. You'll, you're going to find your stride. It's going to be okay. Just okay. keep being you. Okay. Okay. That's, that's, that's reasonable. Mine, mine sounds dumb. I would just tell myself never to watch Batman and Robin. Just, just act <laughs> like that never came out. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. You're trying to protect your young self. <laughs> like, most people say, you know, I I tell myself to invest in stocks or you know invest in Google or Apple. Mine would just don't don't watch Batman and Robin. Just just stay away from that. <laughs> just don't go there. But actually, it's funny. Um, Mister Freeze's costume, and I think one of the bat, I think the Batman costume from that movie is uh, it's about an hour and a half away from where I live. <laughs> oh wow, that's in that's... Hutchinson. Kansas in the salt mines, the Mr. Freeze's costume is in there. I've, I've seen it a few times. Uh, I'm actually going to be doing Smallville Comic Con in that town Ooh, in like nice. half, three weeks. So it's cool. The salt mines are really cool. I love going down in there. I think it's fun. <laughs> well, let's just hope that there's nobody in that suit saying ice puns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was. It was the beginning of the end. I mean, it's really when they lost Michael Keaton as Batman in those movies. It just it. I don't feel like they ever recovered because he was able to balance the style of those movies really, really well with just like he just he found that right balance for the character. I I thought no one ever really did after that. Yeah, well, I say for me, I if you know if people know me. I, I I liked uh I liked the first Batman, uh because you know I like Tim Burton and his style. Second one, Batman Returns, not not so much just because it was all over the place. Everybody knows that uh, Joel Schumacher's Batman films make me sad. <laughs> I tell people I don't I love Christian Bale as an actor, but I didn't like him as Batman. I didn't like him as Batman either. I was not a fan. I really liked Batman Returns because I loved Catwoman. I was like, oh my god, she's so cool. <laughs> yeah, like I, if uh, I'm a Batman purist, so I know the character in and out. Then I saw Christian Bale, like that's not. I mean, you're all right. I mean, you don't have a good yeah, blend. He was just, yeah, he was just. I don't know. I, I just he wasn't hitting it for me. He just was not capturing the character wasn't into it then ben affleck i feel bad for ben affleck like oh this is the batman this is the old batman that i wanted to see and then warner brothers continues to, to mess up the dceu so like, i do oh, like wonder one. woman though <laughs> I, I, I like i like the wonder woman one i don't talk about two i like the, <laughs> i like the d suicide squad that came out last or was it last year i think it was last year I like that. I like I like Shazam. Mm -hmm. Uh Aquaman, it it was fun. Um, uh, but um yeah. Yeah. I've got a little bit of superhero movie fatigue. I mean, I like them. I just kinda have to be in the right mood to watch them because there's just so many of them lately, and that's like the thing that keeps coming out. And I'm yeah. like, this, this is good. I mean, they're fun. I, I don't dislike them at all. It's just there's just just I feel like Marvel saturated the market. Oh yeah. And it's it's just I'm like, they're fun, but can we do other kinds of movies too? Like, 
and not just keep rebooting the superheroes again and 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 again. How many Spider-Mans are there now? Well, you know, that's the crazy thing. Like, you know, different eras had different, you know, niches in the industry. Like, you know, the 80s, 80s, it was it was mostly action, like manly, masculine action. 90s, yeah. you, 90s, you got more of your original stories and whatnot. Uh, I would say from 2000 and now, it's just been nothing but reboots, remakes, and superheroes. But I can't say this. I can understand people with superhero fatigue, but that's why I like some of the some of the independent adaptations because people right. you don't know about them, and they tackle different things. Like Invincible. Yeah. It, it, Invincible is when I first read Invincible, I like, oh, this is some normal superhero story. Then that final panel, I'm like, oh my, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. No, it, my the 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 height of it for me was when you had Lord of the Rings and the Harry Potter movies coming out. Like it was just like, yes, give me the fantasy. Well, you know, we that got was that the height for, of it for me. Well, well, you know, we got it for a little bit, but then you know. These movie studios were like, "Ooh, we like, oh, we see that these um, book adaptations make money. Let's make more." And then yeah. we got Divergent, and then I, I was sad on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, then the Hobbit movies. He didn't. The problem is, he tried to make the Hobbit the Lord of the Rings, and and the stories are very, very different. They were written for different audiences. And he really, he lost the spirit of the Hobbit trying to make it Lord of the Rings because it isn't Lord of the Rings. It was never intended to be Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So, yeah. I... Yeah, because when I saw it, you know, I, I was reading the movie theater one time. I so, said, you know, I'll go see it. I get free tickets. So when I saw the first one, I'm like, oh, we get to see Bilbo Baggins. Yeah. And one, two, then two and three are like, I thought this was called The Hobbit, not the dwarves, the elves, and everybody else but The Hobbit. Right, everyone but The Hobbit, <laughs> who, you know. I mean, The Hobbit was written with more of a, a younger audience in mind, and then they tried to turn it into this big-budget action movie, and that that's never what it was intended to be. Yes, so. Ralph Batchy's Hobbit, is the, or Ralph Batchy's The Lord of the Rings, is still my, one of my favorite movies. <laughs> Even though Ralph Batchy is crazy. Oh, my God. God, the, the some of the characters though, I'm just like that is not, this is not what Legolas looks like. This not, don't why? Why did you do that to him? Why? <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of hard to get characters looking right and rotoscopic. Like when you um, do a, a rotoscopic film, because everything for one, everything just looks creepy. It really does. Yeah, everything just looks really yeah. creepy. But I, I even though I. I not the biggest fan of Ralph Batch. I, I must say his Lord of the Rings is one of my favorite animated movies. I remember The Hobbit more than the fel- Did he ever even finish the trilogy or was it just the fellowship that he did? I know. I th- no, I think he did return to the I think he did finish it because I remember I think the Return of the King was a movie. But actually, let me look that up before I speak nonsense. <laughs> Yeah, I do. Re- I do remember The Hobbit, though, and yeah, that that image of Bilbo is pretty strong in my head. 
and of Gollum. Oh, yeah, he did do the, It came out in 1980. Oh, wow. So just like a little bit of a space there. Yeah. Yeah. I never, I think I saw the fellowship. And now in my head, the, the aesthetic for the, the Peter Jackson version is what it looks like. That's what it's supposed to be. So I'll just be sitting there going, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> but I will say this. I, I, even though I love Andy Serkis' Gollum, I really wish we would have got crazy Gollum from the Ralph Bakshi movies. Because <laughs> Gollum was so crazy in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's been so long since I've seen the cartoon. I'm going to have to look it up and watch it again. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just but, sit there and go, oh. <laughs> But last question before we get on up out of here. Okay. What... Okay, so at the when we are all gone, or just me and you, what will Kristen Stovall's legacy be? Well, I hope it will be really good books that people like. <laughs> um, I mean, I hope I hope it will have to do with my writing. I hope that they will um, leave a mark on people that my story and how I overcame the horrible, horrible loss. And that through that, the worst moment in my husband's life doesn't end up being like the last chapter that I'm able to give that a legacy and that people will remember him too, because I can get these books out there. And, and he was a part of that. And when they do get adapted to film or TV, particularly the trilogy, I'm totally going to try and get a posthumous director's credit because he wanted to be a director. Okay, that that would be nice. Well, you know, I'm rooting, <laughs> I'm, root, I'm rooting for you. I'm rooting for you to get it ad adapted. I'm rooting for you, you know, be, be a bestseller, you know, New York Times bestseller, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I want, we're going to put, we, we are hope, we are going to, manifest that your name will be right there with the tokens the, <laughs> oh, the, the, <laughs> hey you know nothing is impossible you just got to manifest true. It. it's true it's true i'm a big believer in um you know your focus determines your reality and just it's never if it's always when that's the way well, I, see I, it. well i have faith in you my only advice to you is don't pull a jake <laughs> oh no no um, or a george r. r martin where i never finish what i start <laughs> well just just no just don't go the george r. r martin route where you just everything is sex like i i, I sex and death all of it all yeah. of it is sex and death don't and Somebody, you can't get attached to anybody because then they die yeah that, <laughs> I think and then i take it personally that's just the way that writing has been because even the walking dead i was a huge walking dead fan like i'm gonna read the comic i like oh i like this character and i said oh no never sure mind like he's dead never. <laughs> and, and anime is the same way i just uh, i just have to learn some animes you just can't get attached to people because yeah and they just get gruesome deaths too like what made y'all so mad to want to kill this character off like that <laughs> right <laughs> yeah yeah no i I did get a little mean in the prequel, but uh, 
I try not to be too mean. I say that, and then my co-author and I were like, okay, I have this idea, but it's kind of mean, so you're probably going to say no, or reel me back in because this is mean. And then we just feed each other. We're like, okay, but it could be worse. Let's go this way route, and then it's so much worse. It's bad with each other's. Okay, well, <laughs> feed each other's horribleness. <laughs> now, Kristen, this has been really fun. I've had a good time talking books, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. Before we get up out of here, where can the people find your books? Well, they can go to the Boundless Fantasy Books at Wix.com. That's my website. They can find links to all of the books. I, it just links to the various retailers because I don't want to have to deal with all of the record keeping. I'm not going to lie. That's what it is. <laughs> but they can also find uh, paperback editions on Amazon and the eBooks can be found on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Kobu. They're just a variety of different places and they'll soon be up on Google as well. All right. All right. And also one more thing, what can we look forward to in the future or near future? If you're working on any projects that you've got brewing up? Well, I am working on laying the foundations and, and ironing out the details of a sort of a book that takes place in my trilogy universe that it will be a solo project, but that's still, it's very much in early stages still. And then my co-writer, my co-author and I are working on plotting and outlining and character development for a trilogy that we're okay. going to probably start working on here before too long. All right. Well, you know, guys look out for her works. So I'm definitely going to get me uh, the first book in that trilogy. Cause you know, I, I need to, I need to read more because you know I'm I'm getting a little stupid. So, <laughs> but Kristen, Aren't thank we you. All? <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on on for this interview on for Bring the Popcorn. I've had so much fun. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. Yes, this was very fun. But guys, just like always, when you come to these reviews and these interviews, just remember to always bring the popcorn all right guys we are out of here